Welcome back, everyone, to NGF News. My name is Alec, and in front of me, I have Sir Joshua Chase. <laughs> that was my crappy British accent. But uh, welcome to this, uh, this week's topic of the week. Topic of the week. I'm yeah. like, I was looking at you like, is this the latest global development or topic of the week? Topic <laughs> of the week. Um, today, we're going to be discussing the growing influence of the Middle East. So the Middle East is essentially an economic powerhouse awaiting to happen. They technically are already because of OPEC. But yeah. if you were to put all of them, well, I mean, they have OPEC plus. Essentially, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is uh, they are a big powerhouse that could essentially challenge the U.S. and China directly. They're doing it. In my opinion, it's being done indirectly right now um, because of what they can and can't control and all the foreign investments coming out of Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar and the UAE that are indirectly challenging, but they can become a direct uh, economic challenge to um, more developed countries. Yeah. Um, so we understand that there's continued geopolitical tensions in the Middle East, but that's not to say that their economies in the Middle East are growing. And like I said, will be a direct challenge to other strong economic, uh, strong economies around the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, nail on the head there. I mean, they're in first off, the Middle East has the bad rep. Post nine eleven, um, obviously from most Western countries, um, including the United States, as we all know, what happened after we invaded Afghanistan and Iraq, um, in the name of terrorism. So it's interesting now. You look at it twenty two years later from the nine eleven attacks, um, booming cities, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, um, UAE, uh, even Iran, beautiful, beautiful cities. Um, Iran is coming up. Yeah, as much as we despise Iran because of their nuclear program, they are slowly becoming more developed under essentially an authoritarian rule. They're friendlier than we make them out to be for for two reasons. One, because a couple years ago, and so years ago, twenty in the eighties, they despised Israel, and Israel stupidly is still living in that era, saying that oh, Iran's going to kill us. I don't think they are. I mean, I think we're an ally. We should keep with Israel and protect them. But I don't think they're going to do anything. And I think by us being friends with Iran, might just say like, hey, like you know, let's normalize relations with Israel. And we're not doing that. But let's get on to some uh, events that are going on. Uh, that just happened recently for me. That we both found March 6, twenty twenty three. Representatives of Iran and Saudi Arabia met in Beijing. Um, mm-hmm. This is precedent for proceeded after the United States had went up to them in 2021 and tried to normalize relations between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen because Israel put a lot of pressure on the United States to say, screw this, we don't want to do that. So in 2022, they came back with the to the Arab allies, Qatar, Kuwait, Oman, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, to contain Iran and defend Israel. Saudi Arabia saw this and was like, look, we don't want to hate Iran anymore. We don't want Iran to hate us anymore. This is a investment for not just us globally, but also you know the Middle East in general. Right. And went to Beijing, thinking that Iran and Beijing have pretty close um, relations. They could probably influence to normalize relations with Saudi Arabia, and it worked. I think they decided to choose the Chinese over the United States because the United States might have some bias. Some bias. To, towards Saudi Arabians because of oil. Yeah. Um, 
and they wanted a more middle ground person. And keep in mind, the U.S. and China have extreme interests in the Middle East, and it's kind of like a staging ground for who's going to control what um, the most. So that is impressive that the Chinese were able to broker this. It was also more than just economics. It was also reopening embassies to also revive yep. the years of hostilities as well um, that was brokered by the Chinese. Um, Israel and the UAE, I, I just want to give an example of the U.S. brokering a deal. Um, you, Israel and the UAE just signed a free trade pact on March 26, which removes tariffs on 96% of the goods traded between the two countries. This is the first, uh, this is the first time they reached an agreement. Um, and when the free trade pact went into effect, um, this normalize, the normalization of tensions occurred in 2020, originally from a U.S. broker deal. And then the Israeli foreign, uh, minister, stated that the pact is crucial to strengthen connection between the Israel and the UAE and hopefully spark a new initiative to normalize ties with Arab countries. Yeah, and that's so, not the first time either because um, in 2019, Donald Trump was able to have Iran formally recognize Jerusalem as the capital and a country, and vice versa, Israel put their embassy in Tehran, um, as well as the United States putting their embassy in Tehran as well. So um, let me see. Um, relations since then have dwindled, but it was it was a good stepping stone to kind of uh, you know to look back on you know say like hey like we did this before why can't we do it again? It's it's incredibly interesting power complex in the Middle East because if you look at the the far Middle East Afghanistan and uh, Kazakhstan and those countries they're you know they're failing a little bit they're they're lagging especially Afghanistan they're falling behind incredibly the Taliban is complete control. And then you look further down towards the uh, the Pacific, or not the Pacific, the Indian Ocean, and you see Oman, and you see Yemen. Oman doing better, but Yemen's got a civil war, which the Saudis Yemen were backing one side. Yemen is pretty much like a failed state, yeah. I think. Because Yemen was back, but there was there's civil war, and Yemen was backing, I forget which side, Saudi Arabia was backing some one side in Yemen, and Iran is backing the other side. And both in this agreement basically said that we're going to, you know, remove ourselves from this in general and just have them battle it out themselves. They don't want to deal with it. So this is a new complex because you have two of the strongest powers, richest powers as well, in the region with normalized relations. I don't know what Qatar feels about this. I don't know what the UAE feels about this. I don't know what Egypt feels about this. But I'm assuming it's good. I assume that... Whoever they choose, this is a perfect staging ground for the United States and China to have a little bit of a proxy economic battle within the Middle East. May the best man win that situation there. Yeah. What I think is going on in the minds of these Middle Eastern countries is whoever strikes the better deal is yeah. what I think is happening. Whether the U.S. can broker a deal better or whether the Chinese have better terms to brokering a deal. Yep. This is a may the best man win situation in the Middle East right now. Yeah, I just don't I think they don't want to be bullied anymore because obviously before the US was bullying them, now China is starting to come in and bully them. I think what they're they're trying to do is get a, you know, another regional block and say, you know, we don't want to be bullied anymore. We want to be able to make our own decisions. If we want to deal with the United States, We'll deal with the United States. We want to deal with China. We'll deal with China. No flack. We don't want to hear it. We just want to make a deal. And they can't do that because they have the ability to grow economically as well. They have a lot of resources yep. to play with. And like you said, they want to be their own powerhouse. They don't want a China or the United States uh, in this. But what choice do they have at the moment because of geopolitical tensions within the Middle East that yep. they need 
a third party to broker these deals. Had they not had these geopolitical tensions, they could just sit, all of them, they could just sit down and broker deals on their own. But unfortunately, with what's going on with, with Israel versus uh, Israel and Iran, their shadow war, and kind of like all the Arab countries are against Israel, they need someone Syria else in Iraq there. Oh, Syria and, Syria and Iraq having problems too, yep. So, yep. Um, I just want to read a quote on um, Gulf News. Um, this is a, uh, I think, a military um, news source. It's an opinion. But recently, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin tried to assure American traditional allies that Washington is not pulling out of the Middle East and that they will stand up to Iran. Regional allies, meaning, you know, mostly Israel. I don't think, especially this was in February, so this is before Saudi. And he made a deal yeah. uh, and normalized relations. So he said, let's be clear, America's commitment to the security in the Middle East is strong and sure. Look, there's a lot of security problems with, in the Middle East in terms of um, intra-state wars, which um, if for viewers who might not know what that means, that just means civil wars. Um, so now they're the only nuclear power as well, which is a bigger issue. Um, Israel has a nuclear power too, but they're the only nuclear power that's like, okay, well, you know they might they might do something with it because they have a big hatred for Israel. So this is this is really good. I think in my opinion. Um, many people might not agree with me because of just the you know packing of Israel and whatnot. But I think it's good for the region because stability in the Middle East has been or there's never been there's basically never been stability. Now yeah. there's not just going to be a little bit more stability, but there's wealth. Wealth creates more stability, which in turn just they can about back to other countries and say just type that. Yeah, <laughs> stability through economics. Is, I was just about to say. If you wanted to keep going. No, oh no, that was it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree that we need a the need the United States needs to move past the idea of security protection and yes, focusing more yes. on economic protection. Yes, I understand that Israel is kind of like the Israel the Israel Palestine is uh problem is the how do i say this i don't want to make it like it's a problem let's just say it's a problem that's going to hinder progress in the middle east they have to understand that there will be no stability if they're just going to keep arming if they're going to keep arming up and keep attacking each other it's a strip from you know keep putting missiles on it's like why let them be their own state right exactly and the only way we need to do this is through understanding the importance of economic interdependence within the Middle East. And this is what the UAE, UAE Saudi Arabia, and Qatar are eventually realizing that even with the Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran deal, they understand that stability can only be done through ec- economics. Like, uh, period. I just want to read something out that the Middle East and North Africa region will grow by, well, it grew by 5.5% in 2022 and is expected to grow by... 3.5% in 2023, which is quite impressive, especially with the inflation problem we're dealing yep. with right now in the uh, global economic issues. Yeah. So, of course, this could be led, this is being led by the UAE and Saudi Arabia. I read something that Bahrain, oh yeah, Bahrain reported a GDP increase of 4.9% wow. and non-oil GDP increase of 6.2% in 2022, right, right when the beginning of the economic problems began. So, it's just like it's it's right there economics is the only way to get past through not only economic problems but lower guns yeah just put our guns down and let's just listen we have a problem we have an economic problem here the whole world's suffering we can be the leaders of this in the middle east 
if we just take the initiative uh-huh. without the United States and China. Yeah, and I would like to say I made a mistake earlier by saying that Iran's a nuclear power. Not yet. They're not a nuclear power. They, they could be, but they're not, they're not one yet. I mean, do we um, really know? Yeah, they, they could be, but not of what we know of. But interesting fact that I would like to bring up. So I think Saudi Arabia, with making this deal, is looking, obviously, economically inward and outward to help Iran, to help the rest of the Middle East. There's a big question for the United States, the JCPOA. If Iran's going to start playing super, super duper friendly with the Middle East, I was never a big fan of the JCPOA because of the security issues within the country. Now, they're playing friends. Saudi Arabia is not going to take a nuclear arsenal on their border. Right. They're not going to take it. So, the JCPOA could be a great investment, not just for us, but it also could be for Saudi Arabia and the rest of the Middle Eastern region because it helps build and develop a nuclear program, which everyone can use, off, even the United States. So now this becomes, uh, okay, maybe we should do it because China just brokered this deal. We need to broker our own now because we started this. We, were, we started these talks. China finished them. We need to bring back this deal, I think, to create better relations. For maybe Iran to say, hey, okay, you guys are helping us out again. Thank you. Saudi Arabia is now our friends. We can't piss people off because Saudi Arabia is not very contentious. Maybe we make friends with Israel. Maybe we kind of back off a little bit. We kind of back off a little bit Iraq as well. We try to fix our internal problems a little bit. A lot of the good things come from making this deal. Right. I totally agree. I I even forgot about the, the JCPOA until you brought it up now. It, it'd be a perfect countermeasure. Against the Chinese brokering these deals. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, what I do want to say is that another part of a growing Middle East and a rising influence is the youth as well. It's- the youth has been a major part in taking the initiative. Uh, reforms are being made to religious institutions. The youth are taking charge of making progressive changes. Um, socially, economically, innovations, so on and so forth. So I do want to put that out there as well, that the youth are, um, also the entrepreneurship is becoming huge also in the Middle East, especially in like Qatar, the UAE, yeah, and so on and so forth. I mean, the UAE encourages you to become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And it's like initiatives like these that push the Middle East to become, it, this idea of entrepreneurship will just flow over to other borders as well within the Middle East. You hope so. I, at least we hope so, right? Yeah. Um, Good but, point. Yeah, um, the Muslim and Islam revolution within it's it's a new wave. You know, they're they're trying to see they're, they're seeing that the uh, the old religion, you know, the old or the older old traditions. old traditions, they were you know not they're not going to live up to what's today. And you see that in in Qatar and cities like, um, or sorry, uh, UAE and cities like Abu Dhabi and, and uh, Dubai, where they're basically. First off, the wealthiest cities in the world, and they're they're capitalist as heck. They they still have Muslim customs, but you know, women are allowed to drive. You know, stuff like I believe they're allowed to drive. Yes, they are. They are in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Yeah, and they're they're allowed to drive. And so now you're seeing entrepreneurship. You're seeing a new wave of Muslims, a safe and a lot of women entrepreneurs too. That's becoming huge right now, which is fantastic. The more entrepreneurs, better. My opinion. I agree. And also, one of my favorite things about, uh, especially Dubai, is the 0% tax. You know, that's, that's yep. brilliant. I mean, I think the United States should absolutely 
Um, should come out and say, hey, we're going to give you 0% tax for five years, put a business here. And then we'll only put it up to 10%. You know, how many businesses are going to come in? You're going to have tens of thousands of businesses who are like, oh, yeah, 0%. And then they're going to be like, oh, it's time, 10%. And all of a sudden, we're raking in money. Um, because we can't obviously do the 0% model because we don't have the, well, we do have the oil. Don't use it. Like, like <laughs> Dubai does. I mean, the Biden yeah. administration has come out with that initiative to get more oil. I forgot exactly what it's called, but. Yeah, somewhere in Alaska, yeah. right? Yeah. But um, even these progressive changes and this idea of entrepreneurship, it's it's like countries like Iraq that are also that have strong ambitions, right? To match, for example, Saudi Arabia's oil output. I was reading on this, right? And it was saying that um, they want to reach for 7 to 8 million uh, BPD, which is barrels per day. Yeah. Um, and they're currently at 5 million uh, right now. So for them to to try to match the Saudi Arabians for a country like Iraq, right, is just like this is we need more of we need more of these yeah. entrepreneurial minds. Yeah. We need more people pushing out there. Yes, OPEC has put a cap oil output, but that's not going to stop Iraq. Iraq want want to keep going regardless of what happens. And I think the one big thing is going to happen in the future now with Iran being. In this new security, and the fact that these countries are becoming more entrepreneurial is they're gonna they're gonna start putting out more oil in general. I think giving out more contracts to privatized businesses, even though they're making a lot of money right now and seeing that because they're capping it and capping the price limit, they're gonna start seeing that if they start to allow no cap and investments from private businesses to do stuff like that. Big, and then also getting other investments for private businesses to put their businesses there because it's cheaper. They're going to start lifting the caps on oil to go out. Um, and the United States might follow by digging their own, and China might start taking more barrels and yada 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 yada. It's all a spiraling thing. It'll help the economy in the Middle East. And the Middle East, which is boom, will blossom into this large economic powerhouse, which they're growing. They're growing so fast. Oh yeah. There are, they're already close to $2 trillion in, in GDP together. And they're, it's, people don't realize how small they are in terms of population size. And how, in terms of how new they are as well. And political, political entities. It's incredible where they're at. Right. So it is important. And the fact that they're creating more security themselves, not relying on the United States and China to create the security with preventing Iran. They're, Making relations with Iran, it could prevent Iran from doing dangerous things and turn them into, oh, yeah, you know, economics are important too. Why we don't need to focus on security? Israel right. might back off too. You never know, right? I want to go back on this idea of oil being the main economic driver. People are out there like, oh, but oil might run out in like 100 to 200 years, yes. But the UAE, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, they're all making advances, they're using the money they get from oil to fund green projects this is like this is my like thing i love this we've been banging this drum for freaking ever i this is like i live for this this is how we make change yeah you want green products you want green tech you need to sell the oil you cannot do it any other way. You cannot just go to a lithium mine and start digging. You don't have money. You don't have the resources. Exactly. You don't have... How are you going to dig that? You need the oil. They're using the money they make from oil to fund green projects. They're propping up solar panels. They're propping up anything that relates to... They're putting green tech onto the uh, onto the grid. 
Another thing I want to say is that the Middle East is essentially becoming the next. It's going to be the become the next Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What I'm reading on here, and I was just like, I was blown away. One in every three tech firms in the Middle East is headed by women. That's impressive. Yeah, that's that is that is higher than the Silicon. That's higher than in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, they're encouraging anyone to just encouraging be an entrepreneur. anybody that's to great. be an entrepreneur. Yeah, because they understand the money they make from oil, they can just get more entrepreneurs. Turn it. They can. Yeah. I love this. I love yeah. this. This is you like know, this is why. Like I, 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 I can go on and on. The banging this drum. I'll keep banging it forever. Oil will solve everything. Ninety percent of our they inflation know problems. That they are going to be ahead of China if they keep this up. They will. They will be the leader in green technology. China gets most of its water from desalinization. They are the leaders in that. Um, in that field. In that field and in that development. They, if, if they can keep, if we can, if the rest of the world can see this and see how that, okay, in the short run, we need these fossil fuels. In the long run, we need, we'll figure green. it out. We have it. We have the ability to make this technology. We just don't have the money or the money's not being put in the right places to develop. The United States, again, sits on a trillion dollars worth of oil. We could sell that, use it in our own economy, build it up, build these green energy products. Exactly what you're saying. The Middle East is doing that. So incredibly smart. It it, it creates a lot more entrepreneurs, like you said, not just male males, women. So important. It's so, 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 so important to have an entrepreneurial-based economy because they are the ones that are going to come up with these solutions. When was the last time the government made breakthroughs in anything? The atomic bomb. That was literally, that literally is it. Yep. Everything else is private. And they bought it out from those people. It's, it's incredible. And, and that's, uh, there's probably other things. That's just the last notable thing that comes to my head, the atomic right. bomb. But it's incredible what entrepreneurial led economies do. And that's what's happening in the Middle East. Especially in the UAE. I mean, this, this is going to definitely spill over eventually. This is going to create, a new revolution in the Middle East where they want to be the leaders and they could do this with the oil they have. Yep. We, we we have oil in the United States. We're using it for the wrong purposes. Yep. We, what are we even doing with the money we make from oil? We're not reinvesting it. That's we're not reinvesting it. That's for sure. We're, if we do, we're funding it into like social programs. It's the first thing I could think of. Yeah, probably. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, yes, we need social programs, but we also need the future. <laughs> We need yes. a stable future and a oh. source. Uh, and just to go off that, my my favorite thing about the Middle East is their ambition. You oh my love at the Saudi Arabia cities that they have planned for the next thirty years. The UAE and Qatar. You look at the United States and New York's like, oh, we're gonna build a building here. We're gonna build one here. They're over there like, I'm gonna make this massive city. Like, we, we had those, in the 90s, we had those projects, and Houston came out of it, Dallas came out of it, um, really all I could think of off the top of my head, Houston and Dallas, these beautiful cities, um, what's another one, in San Antonio, sorry, <laughs> these beautiful cities that, that have come out of, of Texas, but like, what other places are doing that in the United States, we, we need more, first off, we need more cities. We need more housing in this country. We definitely so, need more housing. Saudi Arabia is seeing this. They're, they're, they're going to have a population boom because yep. people are just having babies left and right over there. So this is 
I, I love their ambition because their ambition just it just draws like creativity and people want to go there. I mean, in twenty like you, if that city gets completed by twenty thirty five, you bet your ass I'm gonna be what there. What is that long strip thing? What 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 is the formal name of it? I don't know exactly what the formal name. I, for, of I it, forgot what it was. But I don't know, but you you bet your ass I'm gonna be there. Yeah, like we're we're going to Dubai for a few days this summer. Like we, we could have gone anywhere in Europe. Much cheaper because it's an easy train ride. But I just want to see. It's so enticing. I just want to see what they're doing there that we're not. It's the biggest building in the world, and like it is not by like a couple hundred feet. Was it the feet? Like, right. like it, it's, it's thousands feet bigger than the tallest building in the United States. Like, it entices you to go there because it's so cool. It's like it, it, people want to not just invest there, but they want to go there for tourism. I think the only downside of all this is there's been a lot of reports of just people being what, what is it people take being taken advantage of a lot of workers yeah in, in the middle east yeah of course this is the biggest disadvantage the biggest thing and, for the world cup of guitar yeah that was huge and i just what, what i want to see more i think the only thing i have is more oversight yes we could use the we could use like international organizations right what is it international ILO, International Labor, what? Labor Organization, I'd say. Yeah, w yeah, whatever the international organization is for labor um, at the UN level to... Have the Human Rights Council. Of Human Rights there. Council, yes. You will have... We don't... That's, this is the problem. This is where it gets a little tricky, is that it becomes too restrictive to where they can't... Do their jobs. Do their jobs. But we just need to have that fine line where... The people are the workers are protected. They have good wages, so on and so forth. Their rights are protected, while innovating because that was major in Qatar, and that's the one thing I can think of that's a big downside. Um, yes, I, I totally agree with that. Um, we need their more oversight is needed. Yeah, their exploitation of workers has been pretty bad because. Um, so that's that is definitely and it's happening again part. with the strip that they're that the massive strip that they're building. As I, well. I imagine yeah. the UN needs to get involved in things like that because. One of the biggest problems with the UN is we're, we're all about human rights, but then we, it, it comes down to okay, is it a genocide? No, oh, we're gonna ignore yeah, it. exactly. We're gonna ignore it. They don't look at the fine little like no, things that need that need support as well. Workers are the backbone of every single economy. Thank you. No, the backbone. You know, you can't People say it's the capital. But you could have a billion dollars, but if you have no one to do, put that to play. Good luck. Yep. Do what do what you will. So they're the backbone of the economies, and so I think it's a big, important, very great point to the UN needs to protect the UN and those countries need to need, need more oversight, oversight as well. And this is where like people like the United States can come in as well. Yep, they can put their money towards these projects and offer that oversight. They'll be like, okay, we'll give you this money if you give these people a livable wage, housing, so on and so forth, because they have the money. They have plenty of money from their oil exports. They can they can prop up housing. They can even make money off of the housing too. So they're giving them fair housing. They're giving them fair wages, fair rents. You know exactly. But they'll make money off of it because they own the land. <laughs> so it's kind of. I see this as a win win situation. Yeah. In, in this case, and plus, I mean, like, if you really really think about it, providing that housing. Look at Dubai. If you go outside of Dubai, where everyone lives. Housing is it, it's like what you would imagine an old United States fifties um, cookie cutter house neighborhood. Yeah, it's just houses, 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 houses right next to each other. Uh, probably also apartments, like first floor, second floor. So they do it. 
but they don't do it for their workers. And I think that should be the Dubai model could be very good because the city where you work, where you have fun outside the city, where you live. And so they could take those models, take that model of housing, make it just a bit cheaper, affordable, and you know, solve a lot of problems for the you know, the livable and working wages. Because if you put them in your own housing, if you own the land and own the housing, long as you put a buck on there, you're probably gonna make some money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're gonna make some money. Right. Like, as long as you charge a simple rent, you're gonna make money because you own it. Right. So Pretty smart. What I also got to add is uh, foreign direct investment. Um, these types of countries don't rely too much on. I mean, yes, they do have a lot of foreign direct investment. They have deals, but they rely. They have a lot of oil money. Which is why this they're propping up oil centric. Exactly. So if the Middle East do want to do want to have a stronger presence, they need to encourage people to come in with with money. They need to be like, listen, like you want to work with us. Give us your money, we'll take care of you. And that's how you grow the public image of the Middle, Middle East. East. That's that's how you're like, okay, look at them. Like they, they know what they're doing with our money. We trust them. And you ah, so that's that's kind of that's a big problem with Europe because the people of Europe, especially Eastern Europe, extremely, extremely racist or the Muslim community, if you you know, study immigration. Um so Europe, who doesn't really invest in the Middle East so much. Oh my god. And also, people would be like, oh, well, you know, we're investing in them. How bad can they be? They got these beautiful big cities. Are they really backwards? Are they really the Muslim other anymore? Or are they just people? The Europeans just have this one image and they stick to that one image and it's like, what are you doing? What even, are you even doing? most Americans have gotten over it. We're like, you know, 9-11 happened. We know where they came from. Saudi Arabia ostracized all the people that fucking did it. Excuse my language. Um, they, they ostracized all of them. So it's like, we, we kind of forgot about it. You know, we're just like, okay, whatever. It's just because you see Dubai in the news all the time with like, or on Instagram, you know, all Americans see that. It's a beautiful country. Beautiful city. So that is the big, 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 big one, I think. I think Europe, I think the United States needs to kind of, you know, force Europe and be like, say, hey, you know, this could be beneficial for all of us, not just not just the uh, Middle Eastern powers. It could be beneficial to you. I mean, they need oil desperately, energy yeah. desperately. So it could be a big, big benefit to them. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say on this? or? No, uh, this has been, you know, this is, this is an interesting one. People need to understand that the Middle East will be united and little by little they'll get there it won't be like a on off switch tomorrow middle east is all their geopolitical tensions aren't gone they understand and they see the importance of economics and they will get there yep and they will be a major role they will play a major economic role they'll be a global powerhouse essentially their time will come and, they, and they're next. And they can be the stepping stone to helping out Africa because Egypt oh my God. aligns itself with hope. Big, big one right there. It's going to be a big spillover. You take combined Africa and uh, the Middle East and what their futures could look like. I mean, they could have more money than the rest of the world combined if they figure that, you know, if they are able to figure out their politics and everything out. They could be 
incredibly wealthy and have incredibly advanced societies, just just like Asia has been doing with ASEAN. Um, they could be incredible. So I think it could be a great spillover effect. Absolutely. I, there's going to be a point in time where these African countries are just going to have to kick out the Chinese as well because yep. their, their imperialist tactics are not working either. Nope. And the only ones that are going to help Africa grow is going to be the Middle East once they have completed their essentially like economization of their country. Yeah. Even if that's a word. I made a new word. Yeah, a new word. <laughs> Add to the dictionary. All right. But um, other than that, that's all I have to say for this. Yeah, I'm good. that's all I got too. Um, thank you everybody for watching, watching, uh, for listening into our um, topic of the week. Hopefully this was interesting for you as well. Um, and yeah, new episodes every Mondays and Wednesdays. Absolutely. Have a good one. Follow us on uh, all our socials. Yes. NGF.news <laughs> and then the rest are in. NGF underscore news. All right, cool. Uh, catch you guys in the next one.